You are listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Rhubarb, the only plant that's good enough for your grandma's pie and for mumbling actors. everyone, thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I'm the host of the program, and my name is Steve. And each week on Rootbound, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them. And then I share with the guest about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. It is the philosophy of Rootbound that everybody has at least one plant that is meaningful to them because plants are so integral to our lives as humans on this planet. Now, today, though, is one of those special episodes. We're not going to be talking about two plants because today our guest chose one of the plants that is on my secret list of plants, and so therefore we're going to have a special episode. We're only going to be talking about one plant. It's a really great plant, so let's get right to it and learn about the avocado. Nelson and Murdoch. Avocados at law. (laughs) Avocados? It's a long story. Hi, Jane. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Rootbound. Hi, Steve. So good to be here. I'm nervous and excited. Wonderful. I'm very excited, too. Uh, What plant do you have to share with us today? Fuerte avocado tree. It is a tree that is about, I'm going to say, 35 feet tall um, at the front of my house. Um, When we first, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but but I, okay, this is weird what's happening right now, Jane. But you're not going to hear anything now, but the audience is going to hear a little strange dinging sound right now. Oh! And that's because this is a special episode of the show where we're going to only be talking about one plant, and that's the avocado, because uh, it's also a plant that's meaningful to me. It's a plant that's on my secret list of plants. So, oh. Yeah. But you're, you're, this is really great, because I do like it when... When I, often when you say a plant that's meaningful to you, people talk about the plant in general. But here we're talking about a specific plant. Yes. Which which is which you just mentioned is is uh, continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to no. establish we're we're gonna all be talking about avocado here. I uh, love that you have a secret list of plants. I'm gonna have <laughs> to ask you about that. But basically, um, so uh, when I bought this house a number of years ago, the tree was already huge. And the, the difference is that the house was set back. The person who lived at the house before had built this house herself. Like she had someone design it. It was a very um, experimental kind of environmental um, design at the time. And so when we bought it, it was set back um, in the yard. And there were all these plants in the front yard. This tree, there was an apple tree, kumquat, uh, peach tree. Uh, there was this ugly um, blue fence around the whole <laughs> property, and and it was like Halloween. It looked naturally scary. Um, all the leaves were falling down, and you everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the leaves have fallen, and there's like it just there was just stuff everywhere, and there were animals everywhere. All the local raccoons, squirrels. <laughs> 
rats were all cats all, were all here to like enjoy each other's company <laughs> and the trees and so um it was kind of scary it was not really well groomed and so um we had talked about how to kind of renovate the space and so we moved we added a front to the front of the house um which pushed the the yard um you know it, it like cut the yard by half mm-hmm. um but we kept this avocado tree everything else came out um there was a lemon tree that we took and put in the back but it didn't really survive the mm-hmm. move um so we worked around um this avocado tree that just kept growing and we had to by default prune it um for the architecture that we had to, to, to put up so uh, but this tree has become kind of the hearth of the house. Um, it's one of my favorite things about the house, although I admittedly know zero about how to <laughs> grow avocados or, or plants at all. I, I hardly know how to water because <laughs> like, I cannot keep my succulents alive at all, apparently. I, I'm in a similar boat with that. Idea. I don't know what's going yeah. on. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um. So... Uh, this avocado tree, um, we discovered over the years that it's fuerte, just by looking at the shape of the avocado. That's the the cultivar name. Is that right? Yes. Okay, I think so. I think okay. so. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll fill it in. I think it, it sounds <laughs> okay. like a cultivar to me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which and is like, which is like, which is kind of like a, a breed in a dog, right? You've got yeah. Like, right. So. It's, yeah. It's not Haas. When we knew that up front, and Haas avocados are the ones that you always get at the grocery stores. It's the mm-hmm. most massively commercially produced. And apparently, I, I did some research just this morning before joining this podcast, that the Fuerte is sort of the farmer's avocado. Like, you know how oh. like the, some musicians are like musicians' mus- musicians? Uh-huh. The, <laughs> this avocado <laughs> is apparently like the 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 avocado growers avocados a lot of farmers find that this is the one that they favor the most in terms of flavor Mm. but because the skin is thinner it doesn't survive very well in transport Ah. it gets really bruised easily and so uh, that's why part of the reason why that Haas has taken over as the most mass-produced avocados Um, but for a while I think before 1930s just soon after it was brought into the US from Mexico the Fuerte was actually a really um, well-produced avocado the gripe with this tree is that it doesn't graft very well it tends to mutate and so it has not been very successfully grafted um and you know moved from places to places and so um it has been kept it's mostly southern california Mm -hmm. um breed and it has kind of stayed that way apparently Interesting. Hey. That's super. Oh man, the stuff I, I, you know, I took some notes too about avocados in addition yeah. to my personal stuff. I, I didn't get into the different cultivars because I know there's a lot, but I know California has a ton of different ones that we don't yeah. think about because we're just used to going to the grocery store. Yeah. And like you said, things in the grocery store have to meet certain criteria. Yeah. And one of those is shelf stability and like 
damage resistance and things yeah. like that. And and you miss out a lot of cool fruit that way. That, that happens a I lot know. in the show. Yeah, there's a lot of fruits like that that just don't show up in the store because you can't ship them. You know. I think that that has really informed me in um, how important it is to really support your local growers because in the end they're growing fruit that is not meant to be picked before they're ripen, you know? So in a way, the molecular structure of it has more time to develop. I, I don't, uh, mm -hmm. and maybe sweeter and more interesting. And, you know, even just eating eggs from a local farmer right now, I've been, it, it's fascinating to experience the yolk. Um, yeah. Tastes yeah. so different. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, so this this is really helpful that you brought up this local aspect of your tree and also trees in general because I want to get back to some other stuff about avocado. But first, and I was trying to figure out the best place to do this, but first I'm going to be a real bummer for a minute here okay. on what I'm going to share about the avocado. Because <laughs> I feel like we can't talk about the avocado without talking about this aspect. Okay. And I think it's informative and it is real bummer, <laughs> but well, let's get into it real Love quick. It. And then we'll get back to some more positive let's stuff. Let's go dark. Okay. Okay. As you know, I, I, I work for this nonprofit environment investigation agency, and we don't we don't do anything related to avocados. But because of doing work about conservation, I feel like I'm a little a bit more aware of issues related to conservation. And uh, a number of years ago, I was at this conference about like satellite technology, and uh, I met someone who was doing analysis of satellites of avocados in Mexico, and she revealed to me this fact, which really stuck with me, but it kind of faded away. But it's come back recently, and the fact was that in Mexico virtually all avocados are illegal. What? So there has not... So in, in, in Mexico, to change land to plantation, you have to get a land use change permit. And there have been zero land use change permits in Michoacan, where most avocados come from, since 2003. What? And so all of this avocado growing in Mexico, by Mexican law is illegal is illegal yeah and and this is and i you know i was wondering because this was a number of years ago i heard about this and i wondered if it had gotten any better but then just a few weeks ago this article came out in the new york times and the title of the article is americans love avocados it's killing mexico's forests oh. and it i mean audience should read it it's very informative it's really devastating to read uh because it's not just about deforestation there is uh organized crime there's intimidation there's violence all the oh, stuff wow. around the avocado. And uh, also, it's it's the heart of where the monarch butterflies return to as well as being deforested for avocados. Mm. And, um, and it's really because of the American demand for avocados, right? That this market is growing. So what is the... Uh, economy? Like, what, how does the transaction happen? Is, is it that the land... Is it Mexican owned or are we sending? So, so it gets complicated and there's some really weird stuff in there. And, and this is, I do like thinking about this of how the complicated interchange of like global demand affects yeah. things. Right. And, um, the, the land is Mexican land, but the, but there's many cases where the land is being stolen by the people who live there by organized criminal networks who raise it oh, and plant avocados. Whoa. Okay. But the buyers of it are ultimately big American companies who know what's happening I see. but are putting up blinders or doing whatever corporations do to pretend that it's not an issue. And this one is is so stark because 
I, and I just learned this from this New York Times article, and it's just mind-blowing. The USDA inspects every single one of these plantations. What? So we, we have American like government on the ground, and they're just there to prove that there's no disease before it gets imported to the U.S. But they, they're, they're there. They're inspecting it. They, they clearly know that there's terrible things happening, but still we are importing. And in fact, I, I just learned this as well. This was in the article. I, I Googled this. Um, in February 2022, U.S. paused Mexican exports of avocados because a USD inspector received a threat from one of these local armed groups. But the, the trade resumed just a week later after Mexico gave assurances that things were going to be okay. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And, and so, yeah. And, and, okay, so a couple just, like, key things from this article that I just wanted to make sure I mention. Um, okay, so, yeah, there's it's loss of forests. Also, they're very water thirsty, so there's water issues in the area because of the increase of avocados. Okay. Um, and then there's uh, spikes in violence, criminal gangs. There was a pretty high-profile uh, murder of a, of a land defender who was in the related to, like, the... Um, he was a uh, conservationist with the monarch butterflies. Yeah. It's a really big deal, and it was linked to avocados. So just, just, I mean, just terrible stuff. There's some quotes in this article from local people who, like, call the avocados blood fruit. What? Yeah. So it's the economy of the avocado and how uh, do you think that the the government is in it, hit their own way in on this? Oh, I think I think both are, right? Both governments right. have this huge demand. And I'm going to get to one really think fascinating thing in a second about I think why this this has happening, but it, this actually comes to it a little bit. I and I didn't realize this. Um the the popularity of the avocado has just skyrocketed really only over the last 40 years. Oh, We wow. eat three times more avocados as Americans than we did in the 1990s. <sighs> right. So that, yeah. and, and so, so that demand is what's driving this issue because yeah. there's, there's like a cash cow there. Um, but then this, this is really interesting. And this is, I think a really great example. And I think maybe, maybe one of the maybe positive things we can take of this is the lessons of like how, international machinations can cause issues and you're not thinking about it. So the the increase in av Mexican avocados come to the U.S. really happened or in, in the 90s, and this is according to New York Times articles, when essentially the U.S. wanted to sell corn to Mexico. Mexico wasn't taking American corn okay. because they grow their own corn. And the U.S. Yeah. pressured Mexico into like accepting corn imports. And in exchange, Mexico was like, well, you got to let us export avocados. And oh, so... It's this like it, it it became this kind of like trade Transaction. thing, right? Yeah, and 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 on like a, a pure trade thing, that sounds great, right? There's a bunch of corn land. Mexico needs corn. There's, we can't grow as many avocados in the U.S., right? It's that's that's on in the just pure financial sense, it makes a lot of sense. But when you think about the 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 damage that's done, the externalities we can't control related to like land theft and deforestation and all these yeah. things those drivers are there and then similar you know i've talked about corn before corn is no like no like shining crop the way we grow in the u.s right so you kind of have these two and you know and and as we'll get back to in a minute later the the, the plant is not the problem that's, we're, that's right we're the problem yeah I, I feel like that's forever the the case with every industry <laughs> the second yeah, that yeah. we have a high demand a trend then we just 
kind of bastardize um, the economy that it becomes. Ugh. Yeah. So then just a couple quick numbers there and to, to kind of share that even even then the U.S. is still getting the better part of this trade. Uh, the U.S. exports 16.8 million metric tons of corn to Mexico okay. and we import uh, 1.2 million metric tons of avocados. So it's like almost 16 times more volume what? of corn going to Mexico than, than we are. Uh, yeah, so just a, th- a sense of the scale, but still the scale of avocados because they're a big tree they're a perennial tree. They require specific growing conditions. Right. You can only do it in certain places. The, basically, the state of Michoacan, Mexico, is where the vast... I mean, up until just a couple of years ago, it was the only state that had authorization to export to the U.S. Now, Jalisco is as well. But that's, you know, this one little state, that's like the biggest uh, economic driver. And so there's actually all these quotes and articles about people saying, we don't want to kill our industry, but the industry is like killing the state. And it, Wow. Anyway, it's it's a huge bummer, <laughs> and and I think a couple of things to take home, and then we can switch back to maybe some more fun facts. It does because <laughs> it's been a bummer enough. W- one thing is, it's like you know, the weird world we set up where you just buying an avocado to make some guacamole in the store can can be indirectly helping fun- fund this like terrible system. That's right. Yeah. That's true with a lot of stuff in the world. Yeah. And there's something that's been going around the internet and I I tried to figure out who coined this phrase. Um but I couldn't, but it is very it's very like I've taken something basically saying that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Ah. <sighs> right? Because no matter what you buy, there's probably something bad happening somewhere. Now. Yeah. That breaks my heart. That could be defeatist, but yeah. you can also think about it, but the idea, but that the knowledge and the means are important. So here's the thing. If, if, if you can't afford to buy California avocados, or you really need to eat avocados for your healthy diet, then by all means, like no one's saying that, that you're a bad person for buying Mexican avocados. But for me, I have this knowledge. I, ha- I can afford it. I can forego it. I've been trying to, and it's tricky because sometimes you just gotta get some guacamole, <laughs> right? And you can't, and you're at a you're at a, you're at a restaurant, and you can't be like, "Where are your avocados from?" That's right. But but just having that knowledge helps, and it's and it's a it's it it's a burden, but it's a burden that that I think I can take, right? To know to, this knowledge of knowing the situation with avocados in Mexico. I'm curious to know, you know, from let's say I have this avocado tree, um, of course I can share it with my community best I can. It, mm-hmm. it yields like 300, 400 avocados every other year. Beautiful. But f- with mass consumption like that and the kind of dark arts that's happening behind it, what is there that people like us can do? Yeah, it, it's, it's, that is a super tough question. I mean, part of it is making your personal choices and and uh, and figuring out how we can you know just little by little reducing that demand. That's hard. That's hard though. I think we do need a bigger, broader strategy to yeah. like on a, on a national level for how to reduce that demand. Um, but I think what what we can do. What I think for the audience, what they can do right now is one. I think if you can buy California avocados. That's what I try to do. I've even I've even like imported some. Like there's companies you can get avocados directly from California shipped to you and wherever oh. in the U.S., which is pretty cool. And, you know, and avocado uh, California agriculture has its own problems, which we're not going to get into. But but in general, <laughs> in general, it's I feel like that's better. And then also the other thing from Mexico, uh, you can get fair trade certified avocados okay. occasionally. 
they are pretty rare in the U.S. from my understanding, and, and the volume is like pretty low. But that is fair trade is an organization that certifies fair trade practices, including environmental standards. And, and, and because they cost more, the farmers also get more. And so if you can find fair trade, I've seen them like once or twice in the U.S. I, my understanding, a lot of them end up going to, to the Europe. So we, we end up buying a lot of the non-fair trade certified ones here. But I, ha- I went to a fancy supermarket once and found them. The other thing is, is you know, if if it's not the California avocado season, which is is much more limited compared to Mexico, maybe think twice about what you really need avocados for, right? Because um, they're an amazing plant, but just because they're amazing doesn't mean we need them all the time. And and I think that's part of like modern culture with foods too. Is like we forget about seasonality. We think we should have everything all the time. And so anyway, uh, th- yeah, that that's my my that's the bummer part of this program. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of avocados no i think that's true it's it we're being in california you know sometimes i feel really lucky but it's also like it's i don't think it's natural that we get this much produce all year round all the time yeah um yeah and uh to, to have made such an economy out of it um i am determined now maybe i'll um send you some avocados when i harvest them next year oh that'll be it. oh my gosh that would be wonderful i would love that 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 would, that would be awesome yeah so that yeah and you know california has a much i mean it's pretty good avocado season i think it i forget it's from april kind of goes through the winter depending on the variety um but if you i, I saw a, a chart which i'll probably if i can remember where it is i'll put a link to show notes you basically mexico has a year-round season for avocados and yeah. california is more like four to five months so yeah um so so, but I think okay. Let's let's we can get out of, out of the bummer side. I just I just feel like I had to share that. It's a very key thing about avocados, um, and and kind of I think is a a just a really stark. It, I think we can learn lessons from the avocado. I think this is so that. important. Um, it's important to know the 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 chain that 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 from growth to mouth. You know, like what happens, everything mm-hmm. in between. Um, so that it can really inform our choices, and and uh, you know, as a as consumer, a lot of times we Costco it, and we don't, you know, we don't care. Mm-hmm. We just want uh, volume, and like you're saying, I think um, this stuff is really important to kind of understand. Okay, so that officially ends the bummer part of the program about avocados. So we can get back to some more fun facts and dazzling details. I have one that really stood out here to me, and then maybe we can go to some of your fun facts and dazzling details. Yeah. Um, my my one. Th- there's a few other plants like this that we've talked about on the show, and I think it's just so fascinating. Um, but apparently, uh, avocados are known as what is what is known as an evolutionary anachronism. Ooh. And that is the fact that they uh, they evolved to be eaten by animals that are extinct. In this case, probably giant sloths. What? And if you think about it, that seed, there's nothing that can eat that seed and pass it like seeds are are, are, yeah. are eaten to, right? The giant sloth probably ate avocado, but then humans came around, liked it, and they're the ones that have kept propagating avocados. We're the ones who did it, right? Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so it, you know, it's, it's this interesting, you know, and uh, avocado as the tree uh, was domesticated more than 5,000 years ago. And and the way that it is now is pretty different from its wild um, um, original avocado. But apparently, the original like like native non cultivated avocado, the seed is even bigger. So even more so for an, a giant sloth and not for um, what is gods. a giant sloth? Like what what size are you talking about? They're like I think they're like twelve feet tall or something like oh, that. Oh, like they were they were what? really these massive, yeah. 
So yeah, this is like a peanut to them, if they, you know. It's yeah, like, totally. Wow. Yeah, and there's a bunch. Uh, I talked about uh, there's a fruit up we have up here, a native fruit called the pawpaw. It's native to to Eastern North America, and it's a really cool fruit. And it's probably the same thing. Its seeds are not as big as an avocado seed, but they're bigger than uh, than anything uh, native can really effectively eat and pass and and propagate the plant. But same thing. Uh, there was this point I think where lots of uh, animals and plants were going extinct because things were changing the planet, but right at the same time, humans started learning how to cultivate. And so there's a few of these plants that are these evolutionary anachronisms that they still exist, even though their original evolution, the way to propagate, doesn't exist. Oh, wild. Yeah. That is so crazy. <laughs> humans, we well, we are a mess. We, we just <laughs> well, do... <laughs> I mean, it's not so bad. I think I think the avocado is like an example of of, of good, of, of of humans being good. I think. All right, we've 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 we steward we stewarded this plant. That's right? true. Right, and and it, and I think that's the, the the that that connection to the plant like you have with your tree. Yeah. is really really cool. Yeah. What I learned this morning is that it's a like you know it's a um, fruit, but it's also mm -hmm. specifically avocados are technically a berry. <laughs> <laughs> Which I had no uh, idea, and I think it's pretty funny that they're yeah all these gigantic... gathering berries. <laughs> yeah, you want a berry? Cool. Yeah, that's um, fun. So uh, over the years, my tree, I um, you know, we had to prune it back a bit, and the health of it has kind of um, been a little uh, hard to read because. Mm. Um, it's get it gets massive sun, which is great, but it, there was one year where I started to see like these spots on the leaves, and you know, mm. I looked it up, did some research, matched up some photos, and I think I'm still not a hundred percent sure. I think what was on it were these things called Persia mites. Ah, that okay. uh, tend to invade avocado trees um, in Southern California. And so um, they and the leaves like you know they you go to a website and it shows you how how damaged you are compared compared mm -hmm. to like a, a bunch of photos, and mine just looked like they were at least seventy percent um, mm. like damaged. So I got a little worried, and I looked at what works, and they say that with these mites, what you want is to actually release predatory mites oh. to kill them. And, but you know, the tree was like thirty-five feet tall. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how much to get. So I just tried it. They say that you probably have to do a number of rounds. So I got these mites called um, N. Californicus um, from a from a mite farm, basically. And it came in a little <laughs> jar with some French, like like French fry bags with holes in them, and you uh -huh. basically staple them at different parts of the tree. Um, and let them let them go. Like this is your backup, and they'll they will eat the other mites for you. And you know what? Like it it actually worked for the first wow. um, year. I I saw better leaves, um, but then I didn't continue because I had to be on the mm. road. And so um, I think I have to redo this. And but the tree has grown taller since then, and so I think. Um, I'm going to have to get like up a, a quite a lot. They say they gave me like a calculation of how to decide how much 
backup you need basically to kill the court like kill the mites accordingly and um i'm gonna be doing this for the next two years wow um what, what are the, I mean, what are the mites? Can you see the mites in the jar? Are they too small to see with your no, naked eye? No, no, no. They're like, they're totally squirming around in there, ready to, like, they're hung. They, they say too on the paper that comes with, they're like, when you receive them, they're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so get it, get yourselves a stapler, like, um, and just kind of pour them into this bag, like here and there and, and distribute. But I think... Did you, do you get, like, mites on your hands when you're pouring them? I mean, a little bit. But, you know, you just kind of, like, yeah. let them mm-hmm. let them off the, the leaves. And then um, it's fascinating that, you know, instead of trying to kill the mites, you inv- you invite more predatory mites and, and do the job for you. Wow. Mite versus mite. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see, I'll have to see if I can find like somebody who's done like microscopic video of this mite battling. On, on uh, there is. Tree. I'll send it to oh, you. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Um, okay. So one thing you mentioned there, which goes to my notes, is you said Persea mites. Yeah. And that's because Persea is the genus name for oh. avocado. Oh. So presumably they may attack other things in the Persea genus. Uh, so, so the avocado's scientific name is Persea Americana. Oh, um, yeah. So that's why they have that name. I love the etymology. Uh, listeners to the show will know that I really am into like the naming of things. Yeah. And the avocado has a really fun naming things. First of all, I didn't realize that uh, it makes sense now that I think about it. But avocados are in the laurel family. Oh. Um, and if you think about the, their big leaves and they they look like a giant, maybe like a giant laurel. But there are a few other species of Persea native to North America and a bunch more in South America that are a little bit more like uh, like laurels. And a number of them, you can use the leaves like bay leaf, a number of the other Persea. Oh, interesting. And I guess at some point, and maybe the wild avocados, you could actually use avocado leaves in that function. But the, the ones that have been cultivated, that aspect has kind of gone away. Um, but I read that if you crush a leaf of a wild avocado, it will smell like allspice or, or like anise or something. Oh. And that's a way that maybe you can tell that your leaves have some of that property. So maybe next time you're by your tree, see what the leaves smell like when you crush them and see if you oh, still have any of that. Yeah. So they're in that, they're in that world. The, unfortunately, the tiny little fruits of the, uh, of the other species of um, Persea in North America are apparently not edible. So oh, uh, they're much, 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 much smaller, smaller. too. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was good. I did not. I did not know that. But yeah, Persea Americana. I forget the other ones are called. But the common names for the other ones are like called Red Bay or or Swamp Bay, oh. um, as opposed to something like avocado. I love that. Yeah. Um, a, a separate fun fact that I found out about my tree is I I noticed that um, the leaves would dr- like suddenly drop. Oh. Um, before the fruits start dropping. And so I looked this up and and somewhere on the internet, who knows if it's true, they say that the avocado tree actually drops its leaves as a padding for the fruit to land ah. on. <laughs> that that makes sense. That's insane to me. Wow. Wow. How That's does it even like th- that is some miraculous stuff right there. Sorry, I almost more, but <laughs> it it it's mind blowing. It's such a it has such a 
almost a mother instinct, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. drop the leaves so that it, but you know, I have a gardener and they pick up all the leaves, so then it ends up just denting my car, my car, <laughs> 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 um, and the it, it just ends up getting bruised and squirrels get to them and all that. But um, I think that's a really kind of beautiful genetic makeup of this tree, um, and I don't. I don't know if that happens with, you know, dwarf avocado trees or, or avocado, you know, plants that are smaller. Because mm. I've I have never actually seen a tree as an avocado tree as big as mine. Um, I've oh. never been to a farm, and so this is I've never seen or heard of this. Um, that is really fascinating. I'm, I'm yeah, that it, it it comes to one of those things that I've talked about a lot on the podcast now too of like the the intelligence of a plant yeah. and and how like the, what plants decision making in a plant which is really fascinating um yeah that's really cool um i don't know what, what you mentioned about the squirrels made me think about a kind of a i think the main re- so you know we we share about why these plants are meaningful to us and i i, I said we're going to talk about avocado and you know i think maybe everybody's avocados everyone who likes avocado toast or guacamole is meaningful to me but me in particular when you mentioned your tree, I, I kind of was like, oh, yeah, I, in twice in my life, have had avocado trees. Oh. Actually. So I, you know, used to live in California, as you know, and the audience might know. Um, I lived for a couple years when I was a little kid in Ventura, California. And uh, the house we had there, and this was, I was, I, I actually have some memories of the tree. Um, but at the time, I, I actually didn't start liking avocados till a little bit later. I feel like when you're a little kid, this weird green mushy thing. You're same. same. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I didn't eat them back then, but we had apparently, and I, I remember being in the backyard and the tree completely shaded the whole backyard in yeah. this house in Ventura. And what only, only kind of thing I remember about the fruits, and this is my parents telling me years later, is that the possums used to come and eat all the avocados. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think we got a fair number too. I just didn't remember eating them as a kid. Um, but then years and years later, I went to film school in Ventura. And for a time, I lived with my great-grandfather, who still lived in Ventura. I was, basically, it was like roommates with my great-grandfather. And they had a mature avocado tree in their front yard. And for, for a good while during the season, every day for lunch, my great-grandpa and I would sit down and have avocado for lunch. <laughs> so we had like some, some chips and avocado and just have it with some salt on the avocado. Beautiful. With a spoon. It was great. So that's my like, you know, personal story with avocado. I find it interesting that I'm, I'm you know, like talking about squirrels and possums. It makes me wonder, is the scale of ripeness and our, you know, our kind of concept of ripeness just human based? Because avocados do not ripen on the vine. They are mm. rock hard, but yet animals are like the the raccoons that come through this tree are the size of like a five-year-old child <laughs> and they eat so much of this stuff while it's hard on the mm-hmm, vine mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm so curious to know like is the uh, there's just the idea of ripeness uh, not actually across the board applicable to all species yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think, I don't know the details of this, but I know that ripeness does have a botanical meaning and that's there's certain things about when the, the fruit Fru- can actually yeah. germinate, mm-hmm. right? And you can't, you know, and, and then and then fruits that have like fleshy outer parts, they, they coincide that with when they want to be eaten, right? So like uh. a ripe berry 
is is most attractive when it is most likely to be spread. But in the case of the avocado, that animal doesn't exist anymore, right? The one that it was trying to attract <laughs> right. with the giant. So so I think, you know, we have other animals that are more that are less picky and they're just looking for the the they're just looking for the energy, right, to eat. And yeah. so, you know, raccoons and possums they're a bit more uh they're they're resourceful and so they're I not guess. as picky. I just I can't imagine it tasting very good. It's kind of Well, I think that's probably a human thing. Gum- right? well, <laughs> we're like we, we want we want nice taste and really yes. like c- quality things and I think, you know, a lot of animals. Well, some animals are picky, I guess, but Yeah. Um that's that's really funny. Um Yeah. yeah uh so that man, I I I really that's that's such a cool thing about California is that you can have an avocado tree in your in your yard. Uh, it's so amazing. It's been, you know, it, it's funny because the uh, one thing about this tree and probably my favorite thing about the tree, aside from the shade that it provides, because the California sun is so harsh, you know, sometimes that during a heat wave, um, the community around this tree, mm. it has been mind blowing to me. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, we talk all the time or, you know, my neighbors and I are, are, are super tight, but, Every one that I've introduced myself to, um, it, when I was first when I first moved in and, and landed on this house, they everyone said, "Yeah, you're you're at Pam's house and with the avocado trees." She used to just like invite us in and have our kids pick. I grew up here, and I used to go and pick avocados off of her. Oh my god! You know, and and that sense of um, community and just sharing the wealth in that way. Um, it's kind of like uh, really, it's been really inspiring. And uh, this tree has, uh, part Part of the big reason that we kept this tree is of course how beautiful it is but, and how fruitful it is, but also like it means a lot to these people. Like it's, it's a mm-hmm. piece of history. And so when we were renovating the house, we didn't want to, you know, we wanted to follow the roof line. We didn't want to change too much, but definitely let's keep the heart of heart and soul of the street like intact because it's a bigger picture than just, it's not just my house. It's the community's, yeah. you know, um, that's amazing. Warmth. Yeah. So that's so, that's so cool. Uh, wow. I, 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 I was going to just, <laughs> that would be a perfect place to leave it because it was so well said. <laughs> But I have kind of a funny, no, I have a very kind of a funny thing to share now about avocados, which I just, I just kind of learned today and it has to do with a name. Do you know where the name avocado comes from? The name, the name, the word avocado is kind of a, kind of a twisted web with a few funny points to it. Okay. Okay. One thing about the name avocado is really cool. And I really love when this happens because it's kind of rare is when a plant's name is based on its native name. Okay. In North America, a lot of the things we call plants we, we we borrow names from european languages because we have a you know colonial culture and we you know throw away stuff that's native but the avocado the original name goes back to a nahuatl word which was i think aguacatl aguacatl and then it became uh, in in spanish aguacate and then it became in english avocado um, so that's really cool. Now, if you read on the internet what the word aguacatl means, you'll see a lot of sources that say that it means testicle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> However, I did find a source, and I think this is probably more true, that the word aguacatl means avocado, 
and then that became slang in Nahuatl oh. because of its, its look. So it's not that awakato, the word means testicle, and they called the fruit. It's got the fruit is called that, and then they called the testicles that. I guess is where where it comes from. So that's that's one funny aspect of the of the name. I don't Avocado. know. It's a little too coincidental though, because they do look a- well. They look like so. What I think what happened in in Nahuatl pre contact, they called the plant awakato for whatever reason, okay. but then they started making jokes. And calling the the human body part after the fruit, oh. not calling the fruit, <laughs> right? Not calling the fruit after the human body part. I think it went the other way than with you know. So that's funny. Might, yeah, yeah, right. I think that's what happened. <laughs> and so now there's stuff on the internet saying that that word avocado, that's what it means. But it it more it's more the other way around. I like backwards. that. Okay, I like yeah. that better. Okay, so um, this is really funny. This is okay. this is super funny. Did you know that the word in French (laughs) for avocado and lawyer is the same? (laughs) Wait! In French, you say avocat, which means avocado, and avocat, which means lawyer. It's literally the same word. Yeah. And and this, as far as I can tell, it's it's so funny how this happens with languages. So there's this word avocado. In Spanish, they they started calling it apparently at some point because avocado... I guess at some point they started calling it uh, the word in Spanish for lawyers abogado with a B. Oh yeah, B- but B's and V's in Spanish are very very Same, similar. Yeah. So, abogado, avocado, and so I think at some point Spanish specifically started calling the agu- the, the avocado aguacate to kind of differentiate it from the lawyer word. But that French wasn't lucky enough, and so so basically. They were calling it avocado in Spanish. Someone in French is like, "Oh, you mean lawyer?" And then they started calling it avocat, and so the, basically the f- the French borrowed it from Spanish when it still sounded like the word oh. lawyer, which is a mispronunciation of the Nahuatl word. And now in French, they're they're stuck, stuck with, with having it. the same word for for lawyer. What? <laughs> At least that's what I think happened. It was a little bit hard to tell exactly, but yeah, the word for. And just the fact that abogado and avocado sound similar is just a coincidence in right. the way that it sounded in Nahuatl and the way that Spanish were interpreting it. But it leads to this funny effect where it's literally the same word in French. And in Spanish, it sounds very similar, right? Abogado yeah. and avocado yeah. sound very similar. Oh, wow. That the, the travel of that, that it's a mistake yeah. that stuck in yeah. that way is brilliant. Oh, my gosh. I, it must be so funny to, like, be a French lawyer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> having avocados. Who likes avocados? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was got to be like a nursery rhyme about that somewhere in French. Uh, yeah, I wish I, I understood jokes to understand some puns. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll see if I can find find one uh, in the show notes. But anyway, do you have anything else to share about the avocado? I think this was a really amazing conversation. No, I just I love this tree, and uh, the fruits on there right now are not ready, and they've been on there forever. And they, the thing with them is they're like enormous. They are like two to three pounds Whoa. they're huge wow. um, but they're not ready because they get like enormous and so uh usually for this tree it's been like harvesting between january and march and there's like mm. a month window where every time i climb up i get about like a hot 80 to 100 and that's not including <sighs> the ones that were bitten off and thrown out by the squirrels or raccoons Wow. Yeah, there's enough for literally everybody on the street. And so... Just the, uh, the abundance. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, 
No, I love this tree so much and I and I wish I was more of a green thumb. But so this this episode has really inspired me. Jane. Yeah. If you had to pick one of your songs that is most like shares the soul with your avocado tree, what song would that be? What? <laughs> this is the hardest thing. Uh I'm gonna have to say Gilo, which is like a like a dark and moody, but the thing with it is it's dark and moody very knowingly. It has it has deep wisdom. The, the song Gilo has a very strong heart. It is unshakable. It has a pillar of an anchor of like a soul. And I feel like it really applies to this avocado tree.
my guest on this episode of Rootbound was Jane Louie. Jane is a really great friend, an incredible musician, and has one of the best singing voices I've ever heard, as evidenced by her role as Opera Evelyn in the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. She is also a performer and co-music director for the hit musical Cambodian rock band, and the song we heard, Gilo, is off the album of her solo project, which is called Soraya. There will be links in the show notes, and you can listen to it everywhere you listen to music. If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com support to find all the ways you can support the show, including supporting on Patreon. Rootbound is hosted by avocado bummer Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Krikoskota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside, track down an avocado tree and pretend you're a giant sloth. Rhubarb, 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 rhubarb.